UK Motor Talk. So we're doing as we're told and working as remotely as is possible. And uh, there's not much more remote that we can get than this, is there, Graham? Yeah, indeed not. Uh, I'm very lucky to live in a fairly rural area. So, um, uh, yes, I'm working from home as uh, all of the rest of us are at UKMT. I'm uh, keeping my two metres distance. In fact, I'm two metres exactly outside my front door. Uh, <laughs> sitting in the garden, well, there's no point having some sun and not enjoying it, even though I can't go anywhere. Well, it's all right for some. I'm locked indoors in a nice soundproof booth just to make sure that uh, all things are as good as they get. Okay, good news. It's probably going to be a podcast largely of negatives. I mean, just looking at motorsport, all motorsport is is basically off. I had uh, a letter from the HRDC this morning, and uh, like a lot of uh, small motorsport organisations, I suspect they're going to be struggling financially time they do all the refunding um and most unusually uh i can't think that i've ever seen this i mean i've been involved in motorsports for a very very long time any number of decades more years than we care to uh, mention well exactly i wasn't going to go quite there but uh i'm surprised that um the organizing bodies have basically suspended everybody's track permits so you can't do anything anyway because your event would not be insured well that's the msa isn't it yeah, they've basically pulled the plug on everything. The, the MSA have actually uh, extended it to the 30th of June now. Did you realise that? Yeah, OK. I, I'm, I'm not uh, at all surprised. You know, it, it, it seems to be the way things are going. And I was going to go on to say that, for example, Goodwood and Silverstone, their lead times are weeks and weeks and weeks of event building before they can actually hold the event. Um, and most big events are like that these days, a lot of temporary structures, etc. That all being the case, I don't think they're going to, they're just going to happen. You know, the 30th of June, you could not possibly, within a week or 10 days, build the Festival of Speed. Uh, similarly, British Grand Prix, just a, a week or so later, it, it, these things just can't be done. Not Certainly not in a sensible and safe manner. I mean, at the moment, a lot of the stuff in the news is construction sites. Should construction workers be working even possibly outdoors but they might be just you know gathering around each other for a cup of tea and lunch well yeah <laughs> yes uh, and, and two meters apart in each case now I, I you know this is just i just don't see this happening so uh, i think a lot of construction should stop uh, a lot of other things should stop most i think car dealerships are closed new car sales were already on a very very steep decline in recent weeks uh, I've just seen this morning the European figures, and they're really plummeting. You know, there's something like 200,000 sales fall month on month uh, across the entirety of the European market. And I think when we see the next SMMT figures for the UK, we're going to see a, a big plummet. It's going to be interesting to see how many people are spending a lot of their time sitting at home just watching new cars and things on the internet. Is, do you think there might be quite a surge at the end of this? Perhaps some of the stockpiles of new cars may, may well be sold. Well, maybe, uh, but I think a lot's going to depend upon, well, several factors. One is uh, how quickly the industry can get going again, um, because all of these uh, factories are closed down. Certainly virtually every uh, manufacturer in the UK is closed down. And then it's going to be a matter of finance because uh, most of us, uh, virtually all of us, 
are going to have our finances severely depleted after an enforced um, layoff. But does that mean some good deals out there? Well, uh, some car makers and some dealers might see that um, they have to offer very attractive terms to attract people into the showroom doors. Others might try and hold the prices, but the finance deals might be better than the car deals. I don't know. These things are very, very difficult to predict. But the fact is, we're going to get to um, the middle of the year. And uh, most people are going to be substantially skint. Certainly the self-employed, as you know, my good lady is self-employed and has zero income coming in at the moment. And until the venues start to reopen in the middle of the year, we'll continue to have nothing coming in. Certainly those of us who are even vaguely engaged with uh, event stuff are suddenly looking at the horizon and it's getting further and further away by the minute. That's quite so. Uh, Things just seem to be extending, uh, well, unless you believe the American president, uh, in which case (laughs) they're not. Let's move on to, to used car sales. You and I had a conversation, I think, yesterday or the day before. The used car market was suddenly buoyant, particularly at the bottom end of it. People looking at used cars rather than people actually buying them, I suspect. Whether that's the entertainment value of doing so, perhaps people would uh, then progress to looking at fridge freezers and uh, <laughs> microwaves. People have different ways of entertaining themselves when they're, when they're cooped up. But we've been uh, in the unfortunate position of lightning striking twice, in the last couple of weeks, uh, I lost my uh, Volvo, my long-term steed, when the oil pump went and wrecked the top end of the engine. So there's one off on the uh, scrapyard truck. Um, and then it, precisely a week later, my wife's Passat blew up. Uh, that also went off on the same company's very, very smart truck. And I got even less money for it. You know, I was surprised to find that this uh, maybe um, show how dystopian this world's becoming that even the prices of cars being offered by scrapyards is going down because there's no demand for scrapyard parts. That's extraordinary. Well, I guess at, at the moment, the, the whole thing is slowing down, isn't it? This is the problem now. I mean, unless you're selling all the parts on eBay, of course, which is always a possibility with a lot of modern scrapyards. But yes, it, it's supply and demand, isn't it? Well, it, indeed it is. And that's uh, those are stories that we're going to hear more and more of in the, in the coming months. So uh, I was then forced into the used car market and have now bought a car for my good lady and a car for uh, myself. But the one for my good lady, I got a very, very good uh, deal on a Peugeot from a relatively small dealer. I can hear Mike and Jim getting upset by that already. Ah, there you go. Uh, That's the way of the world. Um, (laughs) But interestingly, he was saying business had been very, very quiet. Uh, he was selling very little. He, he's, got, he's got a lot of maybe 50, 60 used cars, all sorts of values from sort of three grand up to about 15. So, you know, a fair spread. Yeah. Interestingly, I then came along with having to buy myself a Volvo, which I have bought. It's nothing like brand loyalty, is there? I, I need uh, the space for moving radio stations and, <laughs> you know, all of the things that we do, we need big cars. Uh, and that's why I persist with the Volvo, which will be my third. But that particular uh, dealer, slightly smaller dealer, maybe 30, 40 cars, had an extraordinary range of cars. I was very pleased with the deal I got on the Volvo because he was saying that they were very, very quiet. But at the same time, he said, well, somebody has just traded in their brand new Amarok truck (laughs) for the Aston Martin Vanquish I've got in the other garage. Well, we've all been there, haven't we? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, exactly. Maybe the Amarok truck. If you've got no work as a as a self-employed builder, maybe you can enjoy your fiftieth birthday because that's what it was for. Right. Uh, with with a new or newish uh, Aston Martin, and very pretty it was too, and loads of money. It was just interesting. I was hearing diverse stories from uh, from two uh, rather different used car dealers, but. Um, we have now a problem of I've got to go and collect that car from some considerable distance. And how does that stand with the current sort of requirements of the government? Uh, as I have a situation where I've paid for a car, and unless I uh, go out, I can't collect that car. Well, I think it could be argued that that's not an essential journey as long as the car is going to still be there when you do go out to go and get it. But I suspect that that's an argument that you're having in your head. We're having discussions as to whether we can come up with some sort of uh, meet in the middle um, and back of truck or something. I don't know. It's, it's all very complicated. Uh, but then all of these things are at the moment. Then delving into uh, sort of taxation and insurance, which I've had to do, and that's not been too much of a problem. Uh, and then we've just heard this morning from the DVSA that um, MOTs are, well, at least from the end of this month, MOTs are to be extended for a period of six months. That came in just about half past nine this morning. So uh, even some of the MOT testing stations may not have um, fully appraised themselves of that news at the moment. I guess there might be a rush over the next few days, and it isn't many days now, to get your MOT done uh, early. That's the delay on my Volvo because I couldn't pick it up because they were going to re-MOT it. So I had a year's ticket on it um, and do anything that the MOT testing station found. But um, It's just added complications for what for many of us is actually, it's not, not the house buying stress, but buying cars can be quite stressful for people, can't it? Indeed it can. You know, I don't have to go into the used car market uh, too often, but um, you know, I'm pretty cautious about how I approach it. I think I've got two good deals. Uh, in both cases, I got uh, discounts, and uh, not because of who or what I am, because I didn't do that, but because obviously I have some experience in the area and know what I'm looking for, having written a book on the subject some years ago, that I do know how to go about buying cars and how to check them out and so on and so on, and, uh, and how to negotiate, for example, a new ticket, new MOT that is, and a 12-month warranty in both cases. You know, that, but those are the things that you've got to do. People are often very incautious about buying used cars. And um, I would suggest you need to be very cautious at all times, particularly with private deals, because they're always a bit more fraught with danger and risk. And, and yes, and obviously private sellers don't offer the same warranties that you'd hope that dealers were backed up by. Exactly so. You do have some recourse even though it's common practice from buying private cars that, that people will do a sold as seen, which often means uh, that, in fact, they're not a private seller. They are a, a very, very, very small dealer. And as such, the sold as seen has no legal standing. You know, if there's a major fault with the car, you do have recourse. Now, you might have to go to law to exercise that recourse, but you do have recourse if there was a known fault with a car that you just bought from a private buyer but again you know do take advice do read my book <laughs> is it available graham <laughs> i think there are still second-hand copies floating about it's out of it's buying a used car and it's been out of for some years 
maybe it's time for a rewrite and the second edition. You never know. There's also some advice and bits on the website, of course. There are extracts from the book on the UKMT website. So there's all kinds of things there that you can consider before committing to handing over what is going to become even more precious amounts of money. One of the things that did strike me yesterday, and I, I sort of wonder how many car makers we could lose. Have we got many to lose in the UK? Well, I'm just thinking, you know, well, you know, the Fords and the PSA group and, the, the you know, the major Japanese, Chinese players, they, they will all survive. It's going to hurt, and it is hurting, but they will all survive. But, you know, think about companies like Morgan, perhaps, Mm. What, what do you know that they don't? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know anything that they don't other than they are very small uh, and there are a number of very, very small manufacturers like that of, of specialist, highly specialist cars. And I'm sure that their market will decline as fast, if not faster, than any other market segments. And they may not have the resources to carry on. It's just... You know, I, I, I may be uh, being something with Jeremiah here, but um, one does wonder whether we might see a bit of a shakeout in the market. And I suspect, certainly in the aftermarket, the sort of uh, services end of the market and, and, you know, the buying online of spare parts and so on, you may see a shakeout of some of those companies if this goes on too long because they simply don't have the resources of the big companies to carry on. That applies in any industry, of course. Mm. Uh, the smaller companies are the ones that will go to the wall, sadly. I mean, Aston Martin is obviously quite a big name that keeps on cropping up, and I notice that they've um, ceased production temporarily, very clearly put on their uh, release today. Uh, were they not quite near the edge already? It's It's been rumoured for quite some time that uh, Aston Martin have had some financial difficulties there's obviously no confirmation of that, but I think there have been some, again, from suggestions in the sort of financial press that there's been some changes to shareholding and some additional requests for shareholders to mm. put in some more money. It, it, it's basically, it, it, is Lawrence Stroll's pocket going to be big enough to keep it going, I think, is uh, how are the, uh, yeah. the the markets will be looking at it anyway? Well, he certainly won't be spending any money on F1. I know, I, I've been facetious, you know. If you own an F1 team at the moment, your your fixed costs are broadly similar, I'm sure, but you just won't have any money coming in. And the relationships that F1 teams have with their um, sponsors are, are going to be very difficult in some instances. I mean, we have as yet no idea when F1 is to resume. Uh, it's unlikely to be until after the uh, brought forward mid-season break period. So, so the um, British Grand Prix, for example, which is mid-July, in, in the same way that, uh, that, that the Goodwoods and other bits we were saying, yeah. unlikely because of the setup time. Uh, exactly so, although, you know, clearly uh, the British Grand Prix is better established for permanent structures, but certainly a lot of the temporary structures, they'd struggle. I mean, it may be, could be, uh, I'm entirely speculative, uh, but it could be that we see that as the, the season opener if you like. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> and you never know how many rounds there are going to be. Uh, and um, F1 is always all about money. You know, not for any non-reason. Was it called the shark tank? 
most certainly one former F1 uh, boss. I called that amongst other things, yes. <laughs> Indeed, though, we, we know who we're talking about. Um, <laughs> Name no names. No, 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 no names, but there's a gentleman who's done very well out of uh, the banking world. But, you know, the, the, the fact is uh, you can't take a huge hit even on Red Bull or, you know, Mercedes or, or any of them. And certainly the, the little bit smaller ones further back down the grid and don't have quite the amount of sponsorship. You know, Mr. Stroll might be putting in large amounts of his own money, but those are finite amounts. You know, <laughs> Less finite than mine. <laughs> quite so. All these things are relative. But, you know, the, 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 there are two senses to that. One is his pocket is not bottomless. And uh, his, well, or maybe his trousers are, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, but at the same time, he's also a fairly hard-nosed businessman and might at some point say to himself, do I really need to be pouring out this amount of money for no return? Uh, and particularly if the sponsors start to pull force majeure on their contracts, which is, uh, you know, it is quite possible. Mm. Some will, because some of those sponsors' businesses might end up in difficult circumstances. I mean, we are looking at a possible, I mean, I've heard 20, 25, 30% global GDP downturn being suggested by financial experts. Uh, you know, I can't really comment on that. That's not my area of expertise. If it were, I'd have some money in my pocket. I don't. <laughs> not, not now you've <laughs> bought just, two cars. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, all these things are, are relative. And some of those sponsors may go to the wall. Some of those sponsors may decide that they simply can't afford, given the restart costs when they are able to restart. You know, and I'm looking globally here rather than just UK. And they may not be able to honor contracts they have. And, you know, those contracts will have force majeure clauses uh, and they may pull out. So we are in very, very difficult times from the relative expenditure of somebody looking at a sub £2,000 used car <laughs> to others looking at uh, a £20 million demand to keep their F1 team running. You know, all these things are relative. Exactly, exactly. At, at time of recording, which is uh, quarter to 12 on uh, Wednesday the 25th of March, just in case anyone cares, tickets are actually still for sale for the British Grand Prix. So if you're feeling optimistic and uh, perhaps don't want to put a tenner on Lewis Hamilton to win or something, uh, perhaps put a couple of hundred quid on buying tickets for the British Grand Prix. Well, indeed, if it happens, it will be worth going to see. I was uh, sort of conjecturing whether this improves or Otherwise, uh, Lewis's chances of his world championship, I, I don't know, is the short answer. Well, I suppose he could still theoretically win it on just one race, couldn't he? Well, uh, yes, I suppose that that is not inconceivable. I, I know that the points are sort of given out if it's over, what is it, two-thirds of a race run or something? Well, I don't, I don't think there's a rule like that for a season, is there? Uh, no, not one that I've ever heard of. The rule book <laughs> Never is, been needed. <laughs> I, well, I, I did actually once print off the uh, F1 FIA technical regulations, just out of curiosity. <laughs> they are, well, it, it, it nearly did my printer in. <laughs> um, they were very, very extensive, and that's only the construction regulations, the technical regs, the sporting regs are about three times the size. But I, I don't think this is a, a situation they've ever encountered. The last time it was encountered was um, 1939. <laughs> uh, I and, and having discussed the absence of motorsport during the wars once on a, on a radio station 
uh, peopled mostly by very young people, and saying there's no motorsport between 1939 and 1945, or actually 46. And the presenter then said, why? <laughs> so maybe they're not teaching enough history at schools, but I digress. Yes, that's a different story. So a summer of slightly curtailed event planning, I think. Uh, we, we've mentioned previously uh, Fully Charged Live, which is meant to be at the beginning of May. Uh, they've, they've announced that that's not happening until the end of October, beginning of November, with any luck. Uh, and Land Rover Legends, which uh, I know Mike was slightly taking the mickey of saying that I was particularly looking forward to being a Land Rover person. Uh, 6th and 7th of June, that has definitely been postponed, although we don't know when to yet. No, uh, and there will be other major events like that British Motor Show. That, that's August, so that's a bit further back. Indeed, but uh, again, you know, there's there's setup time and manufacturer setup time and so mm. on and so on for that. Uh, we'll bring you news on that, obviously, as that scenario evolves. But at, at this stage, virtually anything that was planned for the first half of the year isn't going to happen, and hopefully will happen in the second half of the year. I think that's the, the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah, I mean, so some things that have been postponed until makes me slightly nervous that the until is still going to be too soon. I mean, even October, November time, I, I don't think that uh, everything is going to be back to normal, in inverted commas. Well, no, indeed. You know, the one certainty in world sport is that the Olympics happen every four years. <laughs> uh, and now it's going to be a five-year gap because they will move to 2021. In which case, it'll be presumably a three-year gap uh, thereafter uh, to get it back on track. Or are they going to happen on odd years and not even years or, or leap years or whatever? You know, which is just indicative of the sort of confusion that we have at the moment as to what is going on. One thing I, I, I did want to sort of uh, touch on and realize was end on is that some of the world's major sporting car manufacturers, Ferrari, Maserati, Alfa Romeo, etc., etc., are all based in northern Italy. Mm. And obviously they've shut down. But, you know, northern Italy has become one of the worst places in the world in terms of statistics of people with COVID-19, with the coronavirus. And uh, certainly the fatalities have been awful just looking at the statistics. So some thought for all of those makers of exotic cars. Hopefully they will all bounce back because while I can't afford any of those cars I do uh, appreciate those cars you can't be a car nut without wanting the likes of Ferrari Maserati and Alfa Romeo and so on to continue they've all had pretty bumpy histories and have been around a long time uh, let's hope they uh, they all bounce back I'm sure they will uh, you know we've seen luxury car makers generally have done very very well in the economic climbs of the last 10 years, really. We're going to be next year entering a, a whole new world. But we hope that we will see Aston Martin and all of those great car makers back producing those wonderful cars that we can look at, even if we can't afford to get in them. Although, Andrew, you will know, and Jim and Mike will know that, fortunately, given what we do, we are lucky enough to get into uh, some exotica from time to time and often on track and in places where one doesn't have to observe speed limits. So um, 
hopefully in the second half of the year, we'll be back playing with some motors. But for the moment, just enjoy what you've got sitting on your drive and don't go out in it. UK Motor Dork, a first take media production.